We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm Steve Peretz, joined as always by Dusty Evely, Sarah Keller. What is going on, guys? It's the off season. Woo! Who's excited? Not me. Steve. Uh, I guess Steve is. Steve is the one who is excited. Yeah. Why are you so excited that it's? Come on, guys. It's it's mock draft season. There's free agency rumors. All the fun stuff that drives Twitter insane. Mm-hmm. All those lists that don't matter that everybody gets really upset about. And- oh, I forgot oh, about those. The yeah. lists. Yes, yeah. that's a good time. Devontae Adams going to be three on someone's list, and it's just going to be flames, man. Just everyone's <laughs> going to be furious about it. There's going to be all sorts of just clown memes on top of it. And yeah, it's going to be really good stuff. It's it's at least entertaining. Like it's idiocy and lunacy, but it's entertaining at times. So um, how are you guys doing though? Outside of Twitter world and all that kind of stuff. How's real life going down in Florida? Pretty good. No complaints. Um, It is hot here again, which I am upset about. We had one week where it was 30 degrees every night. Um, and it was wonderful. I absolutely had the best time. And now it's 75 all day again, which is nice, but I'd much rather it be a little bit cooler. So that's that. But other than that, same old, same old working, just chilling, watching too much TV because there's nothing <laughs> else to do. Um, but no complaints. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, you know. Super Bowl was was bad. Was not not a good yeah. game or a fun game. But uh, I got to go. I've mentioned this before. My younger brother kind of made his garage and do a kind of little bit of a theater. And so we had the doors open and some heaters going. And a few of us watched the game. I, <laughs> my older brother wanted to make Moscow mules, and so he decided to infuse his own vodka with the Carolina Reaper peppers. But he didn't he didn't figure out how to do it ahead of time. So instead of soaking them for like say like an hour like you're supposed to, he did it overnight. And, uh, and those were real hot. So that was some, you know, Ooh. I have, I'm just now recovering from that experience. <laughs> uh, but yeah, doing, uh, you know, doing as good as I can be with, with no football in the foreseeable future. Sarah, if you want to come hang out in Wisconsin, it's like zero degrees here. Uh, so. So real quick, I almost had a heart attack the other day um, because I forgot that the night before I had checked my weather app because I saw people tweeting that it was super cold in Wisconsin and I have Green Bay as one of 
the places in my weather app. And so I looked at it the night before, but then when I'm getting dressed in the morning, I always check the weather app to make sure I'm like wearing something that is appropriate for the weather. And when I opened it, the first thing I saw when I was like really tired was like negative eight degrees. And I, I was like, where am I? What happened? Why is it negative eight degrees in Florida? And then I'm like, oh wait, that's Wisconsin. So I, I almost had a heart attack <laughs> looking at that, um, but everything's fine here. I'm sorry. You're going through that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of knew what I was getting into when I, when I uh, decided to live here. So, um, all right. Well, we don't have a whole lot going on, but Matt Schneidman did put out an article today uh, and it was kind of discussing some potential options of who's going to be available that the Packers could add as far as weapons to help Aaron Rodgers go after a Super Bowl. Uh, Dusty, you do you still have that open or can you uh, you want to yeah. read off the list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 guys. Uh, so we've got, you know, a lot of familiar names in here. We've got uh, James White, Richard Sherman, Xavier Rhodes, Corey Davis, Tano Passanio, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Le'Veon Bell, Johnu Smith, Nikhil Roby Coleman, Curtis Samuel, Farrell Cooper, Quentin Dunbar, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley. Tell you know, Todd Gurley's only 27 years old. I feel like he's 35. Um, sorry. He's, got the, he's got the knees of a 40-year-old. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Malcolm Brown, Trent Murphy, Derek Wolf, Morgan Cox, uh, Kalichia Simile. Sure, I think I said that one wrong. Uh, Justin McCray and Anthony Levine. That's the uh, and he had. I mean, it, you know, really well done article. He kind of lays out kind of thoughts behind all of them. But that is our that is our list of 20 Schneidman targets. All right. So with those being, let's say those are the 20 that are available to you as the Packers GM. You get to bring in two uh, if you want to go. All offense. You want to go all defense. I'll kind of throw a curveball. You can do that. But we had we had said one offense, one defense. But if there's two, you'd really just you know beat the drum for. Um, you know you can pick those two. But um, Sarah, do you have your is your list officially ready, or should we go to Dusty first? Um, go to Dusty first. I'm I'm debating on one. Okay. One. Still. Yeah, there are. What do you think? There are a lot of intriguing options here. I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of different ways you could go. And you know, when I originally, when I was originally looking at this, I was looking at in terms of like based on production last year, what are these guys likely to get? Uh, so that's kind of that's kind of how I how I made this. So I was looking for some, you know, and most of these are kind of mid level guys. Shaman did a good job of that. I feel like like someone like Corey Davis, for example, had kind of last year, he's a top five pick last year could have been seen as a breakout year. So I wouldn't be shocked if someone ponied up money for him. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go on one, one offense, one defense. I had so many guys really, really close on offense. I'm going to go Curtis Samuel. Um, that was a guy, you know, I feel like we started to see him kind of start to realize himself a little last year, kind of coming out a little bit. I think he had three games over hundred yards, but based on how the offense is structured, I mean, we've, we've seen how the offense kind of struggles when you don't have that kind of gadgety guy near the line of scrimmage. We had, you know, Tavon, Tavon Austin later, but he never really got fully assimilated. But after Irvin went down, that kind of it hurt a little bit. So I think Samuel is a guy that you can do some of that stuff with. Kind of that you can run some of the jet motion with him. You can get, It's a guy you can get in space, but can also do some stuff down the field. Just in this offense, and I think what you could get him for, because he hasn't quite hit what you thought he's going to, and maybe he never will, but even just his current, current what he gives you, I think would be perfect in this offense. So Curtis Samuel on the offense. And defense, man, I I really struggle with this. I think I think Xavier Rhodes, um, you know, he's a guy that you know certainly had ups and downs in his career. I mean, by the end of uh, his tenure in Minnesota, he was borderline unplayable. But like, he played really well younger. He played really well last year in Indy, and uh, you'd be reuniting with Jerry Gray, who was his coach for some of his very good years in Minnesota. So, uh, and with the need that's kind of that the Packers are going to have at cornerback, he's a guy I feel like you could get for not a ton of money on a shorter deal. He's thirty one. You're not going to sign him to like, you know, a four or five year deal. But if he wants to go out there and get like a one year prove it deal with maybe a second year option or something like that, if that's a possibility, I think there's a really good chance you could get a guy that's that's pretty good. Like maybe he's not going to be amazing, but pretty good for not a ton of money on that side. So those are my two. Uh, I almost went with like, I think James White uh, running back to pair with Dylan would be really, really good. But yeah, my two would be uh, Curtis Samuel and Xavier Rhodes. So I'm going to go one on offense and one on defense as well. Um, And I'll start on the defensive side of things. And similar to what Dusty was saying, but for a different player, and that's in Richard Sherman, because I think that the Packers, he's obviously, he's getting older, so you wouldn't have to pay him as much money. He's a very experienced player. 
And I think the Packers really need that kind of leadership um, on the defensive side of the ball. And I know he has a lot of respect for the Packers organization, and um, he's always spoke highly of the team in that way. So I think, you know, that's an interesting person to look at um, and having like a veteran like him and then Jarrier Alexander and other guys would would be really nice co- combination. And I think they could complement each other really well. And then on the offensive side of things, I was looking at wide receiver and, you know, who could step in and spice things up a little bit. Now, obviously, Javante's the number one guy, but I think um, Hilton is a really interesting option. He w- He's still fairly productive and he had, you know, a decent season. Um, and I think the Packers could get away with paying him a little less. And it's always good to pitch that you're going to catch footballs from Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> that's always a very enticing offer. Uh, so those are the two that I, that kind of stood out to me um, on that list. But like Dusty said, I, I really kind of had to look at this for a second and say, where are, you know, some immediate needs and who would also fit and make sense with the salary cap and just the ongoing changes that are happening in Green Bay. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny because I was thinking Richard Sherman. I was thinking Xavier Rhodes just because it, it really makes sense the way you guys both laid it out. But I don't want to have the same answers as you guys, so I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go, you know what, the Packers are probably going to lose some people on offense. So give me James White to pair with Dylan, who can catch balls out of the backfield. Um, Rodgers has really shown – uh, I think growth in his game of not going, you know, hero ball all the time the last two years and has been able to take those check downs. And if you, if you know anything about James White, he can catch that check down and he can make it work. So um, I think that would be a great pairing with Dylan. And then maybe if they do rework a couple of deals that Corey Davis would be the way to go is to get a legit number two outside of Devante let Lazard be three, let, you know, him and um, MVS be like three slash four, figure that out. That'll be fine. But I mean, that guy that knows the system already for LaFleur and can step right in, be a number two. I think, you know, T.Y. Hilton's an awesome option, but if you can get Davis on a younger, like a younger guy, a little bit longer of a deal, that that's something that can help build for the future, especially for the fact that the Packers don't have, I don't think any wide receivers signed after 2021. If I'm remembering correctly, maybe there's one. Uh, might be Reggie Begleton if they have anything signed up. But <laughs> I know, but they, that's they lose uh, a bunch. I know, yeah. That's not. It's not great. So uh, I think that would be that would be a way to go is to kind of lock somebody up for the future as well. The only other one that kind of piqued my interest as far as the offensive side of the ball was Johnu Smith. Uh, so yeah. obviously we're taking all the Titans here, but uh, <laughs> you know he's pair him with uh, with Big Bob and and you know some two tight end sets. It's a, that would be you know we all love Mercedes Lewis, but that that's going to be an upgrade there, and you can do so many so many things with two tight ends that can catch the ball like that. So that was my uh, you know my honorable mention, but. So, yeah, that kind of um, leads us right into our fan questions from Twitter because we, again, there's not a lot of Packers news going on in the world at the minute. So, uh, Dusty put out a call right away this morning for some questions, and we got some good stuff to talk about. So, we will start out with Keith, who wants to know, where is the accountability for the Hall of Fame voters who voted inferior players into the Hall of Fame over Leroy Butler in consecutive seasons. Jesse, you want to handle this one? Yeah, I mean there's there's not any. There's there's <laughs> there's I mean they, like they don't they don't care, people don't care. I have no idea. We don't know. I mean very few they don't have to say who they voted for. There's very little transparency here. Like some people will say who they voted for and some and sometimes that's really good kind of look into some of that stuff and some of it's like I got I don't understand. I know Peter King did his All-Pro team and he's the guy that did Cole Beasley cuz he's like, "Well, I like to build a team i need a slot receiver like that's such a, a backwards way to do that so we don't know you know i throw peter king's name out there i don't know who didn't vote for Lori butler because he had atwater two years ago and then we had lynch and both of those i mean just not even from a numbers perspective i think the only thing atwater had over butler was tackles and like i don't know who cares about tackles i think butler was leading in sacks butler's leading in tackle for loss but even if you talk tackles i think butler played 40 fewer games 43 fewer games than lynch and had more tackles, more interceptions, more sacks, uh, more tackles for loss, essentially everything. Like if you look just at the numbers, not even not even watch the games themselves, but if you're looking straight at the numbers, it's a wash. It's Butler by a mile. 
but Lynch played, you know, the uh, Butler had the appeared in two Super Bowls. They won one was the best player, like one of not the best, one of the best players on that side of the ball for a very, very long time. Um, kind of, kind of what you think of now as a prototypical safety Butler's one of the first guys that did that and did that extremely well. It, incredibly great blitzer, incredible in coverage. He could do everything, but Lynch was, you know, he played, he played on the bucks. The bucks kind of had some bigger defenses. They were kind of a little better known at that time. I don't, I don't really know the reasoning behind it. I just know like the fact that like Atwater two years ago was this ridiculous. Like this is, this is ridiculous. But at least he had a niche. Lynch makes no sense to me. So there's, there's no accountability. It's one of those that those two guys are in. I hope that means Butler's in next year that they're, that they're starting to get these guys in. So if Butler gets in next year, that's great, man. But it's it's, I mean, this is not, it's not even a Homer thing. Like this is it's ridiculous. There's no world in where Lynch gets in before Butler. It's just it's ridiculous. That's it. I'm I'm, I'm upset about. It. I don't get upset about Hall of Fame stuff very often, but that's that that pissed me all the way off. <laughs> no, I, I I remember the for the only thing I tweeted about when I said uh, Leroy Butler didn't get in. I quote tweeted and go, okay, I'm like, whatever, that's okay. Just tell me that Lynch didn't get in. Yeah, and then you see like a couple weeks later that he got, and you're like, God, this is so dumb, so so dumb. Like it's just, it's like you said, it's not even close, and it's very very frustrating. Um, it's a frustrating system overall. Next up, we've got Sam, who again still love the handle at Samich, just outstanding stuff. But she wants to know what do you make of both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams finding new representation heading into free agency. For a while, it seemed like the Packers would be able to keep one or the other, but it seems less likely that either of them will stay in Green Bay now. Sarah, what are you thinking? I don't know. This is tough, partly because I'm in denial and I don't want to accept it. (laughs) Uh, But I think Jamal Williams has a better chance of staying than Aaron Jones just because of the money that's on the table with Jones. And, you know, just because they – start and like find new representation doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to come back or that they're both gone. Um, It just means that they're interested in pursuing other options and they want other people to have to be in the room having those conversations. So I don't know. This is tough. I I still think that at least one of them will be back and I don't think it's going to be Aaron Jones. So that's just kind of how I feel about it. I think Jamal Williams, they'll figure out a way for him to stay. And then they'll have AJ Dillon and try to find another complimentary back. I I think they're both gone. Like I it it's sad, but I mean, and and maybe that's the agent. Maybe it's not. I mean, you do you get another agent? It 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 does seem clearly to be a sign of I want to get as much money as I can. And these guys didn't seem to be the guys to do it. And or maybe there's a personality clash. There's no way to know. But it certainly seems like they're probably going for the money. And I think Williams did just enough this year i mean he's a little more dynamic than he had been uh you know good 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 catcher of the ball out of the backfield obviously very good in pass pro decent runner like i think he did just enough to someone to throw more money at him than than rogers or than the the rogers and the packers are willing (laughs) to throw at him like and i think i don't just from a team building thing i mean i love jamal williams but if you're pairing him with aj Dillon, i'd want someone a little twitchier like I'd, i'd prefer them to keep you know clearly aaron jones or even james white like someone who is a little twitchier a little quicker a little a little better as a receiver out of the backfield to kind of complement that. I think Williams is still a little too similar in Dylan in some respects, but yeah, I, I, it's at this point, it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where, where both of them return or where either of them return even. Seth Lyle wants to know, would you sign Patrick Peterson? I feel like he and Jair would be a great tandem. Uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'd sign Patrick Peterson. I don't know if the Packers are going to have the money for that, but yes, absolutely. If he's willing to come to green Bay on a lower deal in order to play for, uh, you know, play for a super bowl, then that would be an awesome, like, you know, two, three, two year deal, three year deal, maybe even a one year if that's what he wants. But, uh, for sure that I think we all, we all agreed beforehand that that would be something that that would be fun. Next up, Sean Franken. Uh, This is right up the Dusty Sarah Alley. (laughs) I like to think of the Pack-A-Day crew as a football version of the Avengers. What Avenger would each of you want to be? Uh, Let's see, Sarah, let's start with you. First of all, Sean, this is a great question. Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love this question. Maybe one of my favorite questions ever. 
Um, <laughs> so for me, I'm going to take it a little bit out of the box here because the Avengers slash Marvel character that I would want to be is not in the MCU yet, but will be in the MCU in the future. Um, and that's Spider-Gwen. So if you've seen uh, Spider-Verse into the or Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, that's always a mouthful. Um, <laughs> you were introduced to Spider-Gwen and eventually, you know, there's rumors that those characters will make their way into the Marvel movies somehow if the multiverse really happens. But Spider-Gwen is awesome. She was like one of like I didn't read all of the comics growing up, but I read Spider-Gwen comics, books, like I was obsessed with her as a child. Um I also am like, she's like a musician and I'm a musician. So there's that. She's also pretty nerdy and I'm pretty nerdy at times. So there's that. <laughs> then she's also super cool. And her abilities, she says like superhuman strength, speed, agility. And I'm like, those would be really cool things to have. So I would want to be spider Gwen because she's kind of laid back, but she's able to get the job done. And, I think swinging around with web slingers would be pretty dope. So, um, so I would want to be Spider Gwen. I went with um, I'm going with Ant Man. I think his, his I think the personality kind of fits mine. I think he's like he's yeah. he's kind of awkward. Like where he's like he doesn't really know what to say when he's around certain people, and so he just rambles a bit, which feels like me. I see the Steve is nodding his head. Yes, that is correct. Yes, that feels like me. Um, and yeah, he just he's happy. He's just happy to be along for the ride, man. Like he does his job, he does what he's supposed to do. But you know that he does whatever it's asked him. Hey, shrink down and do this. Hey, get big and do this. And he's just he just kind of goes with it, man. Like he's he he's kind of he lucked into this power. He he loves loves his kid. Would do anything for his kid. And he just he just kind of loves being a part of this group. Loves kind of going along for the ride, and just doing what he needs to do. So I'm. I'm plus if I get the aging of Paul Rudd with that, and I and I look like somewhat like Paul Rudd when I'm say in my fifties, <laughs> like that's an added bonus. I'll take that as well. So I'll take. I uh, love take him. that Paul Rudd was the Pat Mahomes stand-in in the State Farm commercial. <laughs> real good. That was amazing. <laughs> that was a. I, th- I felt like that was an underrated Super Bowl commercial. Like I really liked that one where Drake's just eating the apple right in his face at the end of it. I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was a really good one. Uh, for me, I decided, uh, with a little help from Dusty, to go with the Hulk because, you know, mild-mannered, you know, hosting the podcast, and then all of a sudden they get these two jabronis talking about inside linebackers or Aaron Jones usage, and I freak out and start yelling about stuff or – you know, I go on an old man rant or whatever it is that happens during the podcast. And Dusty pointed out, it's, it's what was his line? Is it? He's, I'm that's, all, that's my secret. I'm always angry. I'm always angry. So yeah, that's what I'll let the big guy out every once in a while. So that's kind of <laughs> where, uh, where I decided to go with mine. Next up, Eric Rose. After two years of Matt LaFleur, seeing him from the first presser to now, what would you like to see next from him? What's the next step for Coach Maddie? Super Bowl. That that's what <laughs> I'd like to see from him. Um, but yeah, I mean he's been so close in his first two years, back to back thirteen and three seasons, and then makes an NFC championship game and you lose. So I think the next step is making it to the Super Bowl and then not losing the Super Bowl and hopefully winning it. So that that's the next step for for Coach. Yeah, and I think maybe like just some some better, maybe some more inconsistent in game adjustments. He does. I mean, and what I will say is like what we saw last year in the NFC Championship game and some of those games, and even the the early Bucks game, you know, the early in the season, you had this when things start to go south, everything just unraveled. And it was okay if things don't go perfectly, and if they're not in the game, how does this go? If they get punched early, and then they showed. I mean, especially against the Bucks in the NFC Championship game, they lost that game. But they they did not unravel, so that was really good. But I still think some of those, like, man, the rush is hitting home. You can't – the tackles just cannot hold up against these guys. What adjustments do you got? Are you going to adjust the game plan? Are you going to chip a little? Um, or are you just going to sending five guys out? And he just kept sending five guys out. And I think he's gotten better. I mean, I talked about this before this season. Um 
I want to see him grow as a play caller, which he did. I mean, this past season, much better as a play caller, kind of kind of feeling out some of those adjustments. And it was a little bumpy at times, but he kind of put those into into play as the game went on. What works, what didn't, really good game plan, and some some decent adjustments along the way. I want to see him take that to the next level. Like, if things aren't working, even if they are, is the run game working? Oh, Hand it off 10 times in a row. Is something not working? Okay, adjust based on that, based on the packages. Now, some of that's tough because it depends on what you bring the game plan in, but I think there's still that's still an area he can grow in. But based on some of the growth we saw between year one and year two, I, I don't think there's any reason he can't get there. So, I mean, I think yeah, I, I, that's it's a small point, I think. And we saw Andy Reid struggle with that in the Super Bowl <laughs> to some extent as well. Uh, so it's not like he's the only guy that does that. But um, I think if he cleans that up, he's... he's in very very good shape and uh i mean you guys added some great stuff so i don't think i need to add anything to it but eric you you didn't include a food question so Mm. we're we're a little worried about you buddy just got to make sure that this is actually you who did this and you weren't like kidnapped and this is your call for help of hey i'll ask them a question but i won't include a food question so they know i'm in trouble so yeah blink twice if you need us to come to your house eric (laughs) He actually just commented on his own tweet and said, I'd like to point out I meant Maddie. After rereading this now, it looks like I made a smarty-esque comment, and that's not what I meant. Stupid Twitter <laughs> no edit button. So, See, still no food comment. Still no food. I, he thought, did. I got the notification. I'm like, oh, maybe he added a food question. but No, he didn't bring up, because that was my original thought as well, is that maybe he was making a... Uh, recently departed Marty Schottenheimer reference. Uh, and so he was clarifying that he was not. Rest in peace, Marty. And I just auto-corrected for him. So, All right, Pack Chat wants to know, do you expect to see any other coaching changes to be made now that Joe Barry and Maurice Drayton have been hired slash promoted? Dusty, any, anything big, anything small? What do you think? I mean, nothing major. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if we saw – like Jerry Gray is named assistant defensive coordinator or something like that, a kind of a title change. But I mean, I, I, I'll admit, I don't keep up with a lot of the ins and outs of coaching stuff, but I, I don't think there's going to be anything major at this point. Same. I mean, those changes aren't going to happen overnight. Um, we might see, it seems like he's a little bit, or Barry is a little bit more of a character. Um, you know, he's not, the, the beat reporters won't be seeing if he's smiling during some of the Zoom meetings. They won't be waiting for that. Uh, he seems like he's a little more laid back, likes to have some fun, similar in personality to Hackett. So we might see like some crazy things like that, but I don't think anything is significant is going to change right away. Old Fashioned wants to know, one of the things that makes Tom Brady the GOAT is his, defer- his deference to, run- to the run game, something A-Rod has gotten better at, but still feels like he always goes for the kill shot when he thinks that they're- then it's there regardless of context. Do you think we'd be better if Aaron Rodgers was even more conservative? Huh. All right, Dusty, you've had some- you have some thoughts on this, right? I got thoughts. I got thoughts. You, you got to define more conservative, man, because, I mean, if you look at it, it's just some numbers from year to year. All right. Rogers always going to be Rogers. He's always going to push the ball downfield, partly because he's Rogers and partly because the offense calls for that because you can't, it's not straight West coast, man. You can't, you're not moving the ball five yards a pop every single time. You're looking to take those shots. Chunk plays are how you win games. Like you need that. And so you're never going to fully dial it back, but all right. So if we just take out, QB rushes, if we take out QB rushes and we look at dropbacks versus runs, so we're looking at not essentially non-QB runs versus dropbacks. In 2019, okay, uh, in 2020, Rodgers dropped back 59.8% of the time. 59.8% of the time was essentially a called pass play. 2019, 64.4%. It's a difference of 4.6%, which doesn't seem like a ton, but between two years, that's a fairly massive difference. If And if we look at what he did this past year, if we look at just attempts versus rushing attempts versus passing attempts, the Packers were seventh in the league at running the ball. They ran the ball 45.7% of the time this past year, which was seventh in the league behind the Ravens, Patriots, Titans, Browns, Saints, and, Vi- and, uh, and Vikings. So they're 26th in the pass, seventh, seventh in the run. They ran a lot in 2020, and they upped that considerably from 2019. So beyond that, if we just look at what he did game to game, between 2019 and 2020, 
Rodgers had I'm, only, I'm picking these two years because these are the little floor years so it's a massive change Rodgers had 11 regular season games of 35 or fewer dropbacks eight of those came in 2020 eight of those came in 2020 I believe they were all wins like he was just didn't have to do a whole lot four touchdowns and 25 attempts and he's and he's out they and with that with that in mind again they ran the ball the seventh most in the league they dropped back 26th and Rodgers dropped back 4.6% less than he did in 2019 and 2020. They had the best scoring percentage in the league per pro football reference. 49.7% of their drives ended in a score just ahead of Buffalo. And if you look at football outsiders' drive stats, they had the best offensive league at points per drive with 3.22 points per drive, which is a full quarter of a point better per drive than the next offense. So they're scoring. He dialed back his dropbacks. They're scoring at the best clip in the league. Like, I don't know what else you want. They, they, they showed that they would run the ball when they had to. Now, they were some, certainly some, I think what's coloring this, there are certainly some moments in the Bucks game and the NFC Championship game where it certainly seemed like Rodgers was throwing a whole lot. I know red zone stuff, they're throwing instead of running. And man, I get all that. But you also look at what were the light boxes? What were the angles in those boxes? Like, all of that stuff informs it. Again, that some of that goes back to a LaFleur thing. If you see some of those light boxes and you think you're going to run against them, it doesn't matter. Run against them anyway. If you think, like, just you run even if it looks heavy, if they've been killing you in the past. So I think that's more of a – that's an adjustment more than anything. But I think if you looked at what Rodgers did on a whole this past year and second year under the floor's offense and you want him to run more, no. I I don't know. I don't know how else clear I can say that. No, we, we're not – no, he's fine. He's fine. They ran seventh most in the league, and they scored at the highest rate in the league. Like, that's – I don't – I don't know what more else you want from him at this point. The end. I'm always angry, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and you like to rant. Like it's a comment. <laughs> you're like the ant, you're Hulk Ant Man. Uh, all right. Uh, different Sam wants to know. Needs some long snapper discussion. Will they draft one? Is Bradley gone? Who do we like in this year's long snapper draft class? And I mean, it's Cheeseman. Like that's all there is mm-hmm. to it. That's who they have to draft. That's the only option. I'd say uh, the latest I'd like to see him taken is the third round, and uh, they need to secure that that long snapper right away because that's clearly uh, something that needs to be done for the future of the of the franchise. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, Unless you guys have any other long snapper thoughts, that's the end of the questions that we got uh, to take this week. Oh, wait, Sarah, you did have one more, didn't you? From Dave, with the new D coordinator and the need for speed at inside linebacker, will they draft or pick up an inside linebacker in free agency? I mean, (laughs) odds are no, absolutely not. They seem to be very content going with an undrafted free agent and a fifth-round draft pick. Is that what uh, Martin was? Uh, That sounds right. I think he was fifth. Fifth? Yeah, okay. I mean, so they're basically paying the the position that they don't value at all about $2 million for the whole season. So, yeah, I don't anticipate that unless Joe Barry somehow magically – values an inside linebacker now and they want somebody who can go sideline to sideline like crazy um but again like if you look at some of the the top guys like you look at devin white the packers aren't going to be in a position to be picking fifth overall to get a devin white something like that like that's just most likely not going to happen they're going to have to either get grab a free agent that's um not going to want a lot of money so you're not going to get that value um so no i don't really anticipate them doing a lot i like uh, who they have there, and I think if they can develop, spend another year together, that's that's a good thing. And it's a better spot than they were in last year uh, to start the season. So that's it's a good starting point. And I mean, most likely Kirksey's probably going to be gone. That'd be a that'd be my guess. That would be one of the cuts that gets made. But I mean, they're in they're in a good starting spot now for for the upcoming year. And if they do add a fourth fifth round pick on an inside linebacker it wouldn't that wouldn't shock me that wouldn't shock me at all so yeah see i can be calm about this kind of stuff that's shocking like you saying i think they're in a good place with the inside linebacker is shocking man good for you i I know i feel like steve is just that one meme 
where it's like the person's face and they're smiling, but then it's like they're taking your face off and behind it, they're just crying. <laughs> that was Steve right now yeah. talking to the inside linebacker. I don't know. I feel like at this point, I, I've, they've, they've beaten me into submission of not having a good, like an outstanding inside linebacker since Nick Barnett. And if at some point, I'm mean, just, you just have to realize, like, it's just, why am I getting mad about this thing I know is never going to freaking happen? Meh. It sucks, but it is what it is. All right, let's do a couple of these uh, getting to know you questions. Uh, some of them are on a way deeper dive than I think we wanted to go, so I'm going back up to the fun stuff in the beginning. Uh, what is your favorite ice cream topping? So that will be a whole topic of ice cream flavor, go-to ice cream flavor, and topping. So, Sarah, what's your go-to? Well, it depends. So if I'm going somewhere where it's, like, not just ice cream I'm buying from the store, um, I like, like, the half-and-half half chocolate and vanilla. And then, of course, it's on brand. My favorite topping is Oreos. Every time... Um, like a Dairy Queen, it's always the Oreo Blizzard, things like that. But if I'm like going to the store and buying a tub of ice cream, it's usually cookie dough. Yep, and I'll go. Uh, I'll go going out as well because you guys remember going out. That was dope. I loved that. Um, that was fun. You guys have uh, you guys have Cold Stone Creameries around you. You know, you've had those. Oh okay. yeah, okay. Um, there used to be one. I used to work at a bookstore, and there was one in the same plaza. And we used to go down there and get like a forty percent discount, and it was awesome. And I gained too much weight. Um, but you know, <laughs> they take the ice cream and they put it on a slab, and then they put your toppings inside and they crush it up and mix it all up, and it's incredible. So I would always get just their chocolate, tremendous chocolate ice cream down there. And to Sarah's point, I'd get two. I'd, I'd do Butterfinger and um, and Oreo, and they just chop Ooh. them, chop them things up, and mix them up. Never had a bad one. Never had a bad one. So, like, if I can get good, like, really good chocolate ice cream, that's amazing. Yeah, just give me give me Oreos or Butterfingers and crush them up, and it uh, never fails, man. I will go. I, normally, it is Oreo if I'm getting, like, a Blizzard or, a, you know, a milkshake, whatever, that's got the, that stuff mixed in. But if I'm doing ice, just ice cream with a topping, one of my favorites of all time is Rainbow Nerds. To throw on top of vanilla ice cream, get a little bit of the crunch in there, sweetness, but like, oh man, it's, uh, I got introduced to it when I was in high school and I, I, I still do it. Like some, this kid that I uh, met at one of my camps, he had a, like, uh, not a Ziploc bag, but like an airtight container full of rainbow nerds in our, like, so we walk into the room the first day and I'm like, dude, why do you have a thing of nerds? And he goes, oh, for any time I have ice cream. I'm like, what? (laughs) And so the first day at the cafeteria, brought it with him into his backpack. We had soft serve ice cream. He's like, here, I'm about to change your life. Poured them on there, and I ate it. And I'm like, holy crap, that's amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, so Rainbow Nerds, uh, definitely a way to go. Uh, how old were you when you had your first celebrity crush, and who was it? Uh, if you need, the, if you guys need a little time to think, I do have my first one. Yeah, I, you go ahead. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how old I was. It was probably Kathy Ireland. You know the movie uh, Necessary Roughness. I think it was probably I, Necessary. I, I do Roughness. remember that. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I think mine was uh, mine was based off Cindy Crawford and the Pepsi commercial. Oh yeah, yeah. Super Bowl commercial. That was a good one. I think I I like don't remember when which one came first, but it has to either be. When I was no, I do, and it was Zac Efron in High School Musical, hundred percent. That was like the first, the first celebrity crush that I had. I like, I like. Listen, I really like Zac Efron. He's a very handsome man. I like how he's turned his career around. I like what he's doing with his career now. It's so bizarre from how it started. I love it. Just love it. Zac Efron. I feel like, as far as since we're talking about like celebrity crush and that thing, like he's. I feel like he's kind of grown up with me mm-hmm. like when he was in high school musical he had the long swishy hair and that's what you know when i was that age that's what i was into and all that and now he's like then he went to 17 again and he wore like the leather jacket mm-hmm. and all that and then now he's like ripped and he's got a beard and all that so he's just glowed up as i've gotten older like- <laughs> also seems like he's a, he seems very sensitive man i, I like Zach. all right dusty what's your favorite board game 
Oh, man. Uh, favorite ever? I don't really yeah. play a lot of board games. When I was a kid, we used to play um, Battlecry, which is like a Civil War strategy game. Uh, I really like that one. I haven't played that one in a very long time, but I really, really like Battlecry. Civil War board game that sounds so on brand for you. <laughs> yeah, so, listen, you, you you went to a you went to a football game with me and my two younger brothers. Uh, one of my younger brothers, massive board game guy, so he'd have a list of like like twenty of them for you. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we used to play that game quite a bit. My family is a games family. Like every time there's a holiday or a birthday that we're together, we're always playing Uno or charades or something. We play games all the time. So I grew up on Sorry. Sorry was one of my favorite games ever. I used to play it at home and then at summer camp because that was like there was a tournament and everything. It was crazy. Um, and then another one um, that's kind of, I guess it's a board game. It's like with tiles is Rummy Cube. I don't know. Ooh, yeah, Man, I used that. to play that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that was another one that, like, in school I would play. And then I went home and told my parents, like, oh, I started playing this Rummy Cube game. And they're like, we used to play that game when we were kids. And then we started playing it at home. And then my grandma loved it. So whenever we'd go to grandma's house, like, we would play. And then all the cousins would play. And it was crazy. So that one is just, like, very good memories associated with it. I have not played it in years. I'd love to play it again because I think... I ruined a lot of friendships over that. <laughs> I was always down for shoots and ladders. That was always my favorite go-to game as a kid. Like that one. I and you know, I it's it's funny you, you kind of always discuss things about how you have like a blind spot for something or there's just something that most people are good at that you suck at. And for me, that board game was Connect Four. For whatever <laughs> reason, like. it's right in front of my face and i cannot see the three in a row that like my six-year-old kicks my butt when we play connect four (laughs) now like she sits here and she's like she'll hit four she's like ah dad i got four row and i sit there legitimately like mad at myself like how did i not see that and it's just it's just one of those gaping things in my in my personality is i suck at connect four really really bad so uh but i always enjoyed playing it so all right, let's finish off on brand with a food question. Which meal is your favorite? Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Sarah? I feel like dinner because I eat the most then. And it's also like that's when I change things up the most. Like I could probably eat the same or close to the same breakfast and lunch every single day and be fine with it. But with dinner, I'm always like, it has to be something different. I can't eat like the same thing over and over again. Um, and I, I like, that's the time when I cook the most too. And I really like, I enjoy cooking a lot. It's very therapeutic for me. Um, so yeah, with breakfast, I'm not like a, I like breakfast, but I'm not a really big breakfast person. I'll have like a bagel and a banana and call it a day. Um, and then lunch, it's always like a sandwich or ramen noodles. Um, that's that's the go-to. So dinner is a nice opportunity to mix it up and make like a nice chicken or steak and something that is of substance and not garbage, basically. <laughs> I I don't ever eat breakfast. And honestly, I rarely eat lunch. I used to eat lunch all the time when I was going to the office. Um, and I just... I don't too much anymore. So I usually eat essentially one meal a day, but I love breakfast food. So give me breakfast for dinner, like just bacon and eggs, just like an omelet. Some kind of like Western omelet is just tremendous. So yeah. Give me, give me dinner, but give me breakfast foods at dinner and I'll be very, very happy. Yeah. It's kind of stole my answer. Son <laughs> of a bitch. I was going to say, give me breakfast. Cause then I can have that again or I have that stuff for dinner. And it's, it's just outstanding. Cause I mean, kids always love doing pancakes, waffles. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually just got a new waffle maker that does the, the, the flip and stuff like you see at the Ooh. hotels, like the fancy ones, uh, huh? The Walmart special for 1997. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, it's uh, so yeah. We're always big on on that kind of stuff. And I mean, Sarah, you you definitely need to start stepping up your breakfast game a little bit there. It's, well, I like uh, breakfast food. Like I make breakfast for dinner sometimes. Like sometimes I will do like the whole thing, like pancakes, eggs. But I don't. I'm not a morning person. Like even a little bit. <laughs> so I don't have time because I sleep until the last possible minute. 
And True. I'm also never that hungry in the morning. So, but yeah, I'll take breakfast for dinner. It's not, it's not so much like the food. <laughs> it's just the time of the day that, <laughs> that I can't, I can't work with. Completely understandable. All right. Well, uh, that, that should do it for getting to know your pack a day podcaster. Uh, so let's hit some closing thoughts. Dusty, uh, you got any articles? Have you decide what you're going to be writing in the off season? Yeah, I don't really want to step on it, but I do. Uh, I did come up with what I'm going to be doing. Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to be starting it. Probably, uh, probably in a few weeks. I'm, I'm taking some time, you know, a little downtime, looking at some stuff, uh, you know, reading, learning, trying to trying to get a little better at that before I dive back in. But uh, and then then start gathering film. I've already started gathering some stuff for the next series. That should be the duration of the off season that I'm really really excited about. But I kind of want to get all prep first, so. Uh, that's gonna be fun, you know. Probably in the next few weeks, I would imagine I should be starting that, which which you will be seeing. Um, but my other thing is just, you know, I don't know if you guys saw. I don't know how many people know this. Um, Therese Paler, uh, it was announced he uh, he died this morning or last night. Therese Therese was a uh, tremendous football writer. He came up. He was 37 years old. Just absolutely terrible. Came up through Kansas City Star. He was a beat writer for the Chiefs and for the Royals, and and I think a few years back was given uh, senior NFL writer over at Yahoo Sports. Uh, all of his stuff was great. Um, new football inside now. Just tremendous personality. Did a podcast. His podcast. Uh, you could you could just tell his his personality, his his love for the game, and just just everything about him. Just infectious personality. His videos. You could see that as well. And his his articles he had one up yesterday um about some of the uh andy reed kind of failing to make some of the adjustments in the super bowl like just the way that he wrote about football the way he saw football was amazing and i mean i i had limited interactions with him i contacted him a year ago he wrote a piece on andy reed and how they kind of used uh, the play script to inform what was going on later down the road and that's when i started i was really trying to figure out play scripting trying to kind of get into that what are they looking for what do they see what are the rules even around it any and so i read that article and i reached out to him just to ask a few questions man like he didn't he didn't know me um and he responded we went back and forth over email about it for a little bit uh and if you read any of the tributes to him that it, that was the kind of guy he was um like always willing to help uh just infectious personality i don't i don't really know what happened to him but uh 37 is is too damn young um so uh r.i.p to therese paler uh everyone's gonna miss you man um so that's my final final thought there sarah yeah i actually had not heard that dusty so totally second everything you say i mean that's that's awful news and sending my thoughts to his family because that that's tough but um you know it's the off season so there's not a lot happening with me right now um but if you're a music person and you're interested in listening to classical music um i know that's something i kind of do when i'm working because if i listen to songs with vocals it distracts me and then i can't focus um so i'm for those of you listening who aren't familiar i've been a violinist for 12 years now um, and I'm in the local orchestra, and on Sunday night, our virtual concert that we put on a few months ago will be available on YouTube. Um, and it's like over an hour of really great music. So I'll make sure to tweet that link out. But yeah, I'm really excited. I haven't actually seen or heard the performance since we did it a few months ago. Um, and it'll be available on Valentine's Day at 8 p.m. So I'll make sure to tweet out the link, and, and I'm excited to listen to it and if you're interested i hope you enjoy it that's really exciting sarah that's awesome yeah very yeah cool. I'm, I'm very excited i've been waiting for it to become available for a while but just with covid and everything the studio that we recorded at was behind and my parents like every week were like when's the recording gonna be ready? <laughs> recording and so a couple weeks ago i finally got to say it will be ready very soon so um <laughs> But yeah, that's always like a fun tidbit that no one ever knows about me. And then when they find out, they're like, what? <laughs> you're, you're that bat kid growing up? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll make sure to share the information on Twitter. So let's get this straight. Sarah Kelleher speaks in front of the UN, is in an orchestra, plays violin, and then slums it with Dusty and I once a week. Like, okay, yeah. it's, a good, it's a good summary of Sarah. I like it. It's a good pick-me-up for us is what it is, Steve. Oh, yeah. It makes me feel super accomplished in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, we're giving you a compliment by giving myself a no, it's, backhand. No, yeah, it's, it's amazing, Sarah, really. Poo-poo on yourself in the process. Like. I don't know. 
that's what it's, it's what it's what I do. It's it's what I do. Um, He's always angry, right? He's always I'm always angry. angry. <laughs> always angry. Somebody else is doing something cool and it pisses me off. <laughs> uh, so I'll end the show just kind of a fun little story that happened recently with my daughter that made me laugh. And for any parents listening out there, the moment that you realize that your your child may be a little bit smarter than you and it just you don't know how to react, but so. My daughter and I, she used to say, I love you to the moon and back. And she's like, okay. I got a little older. She's like, well, dad, what's what's farther than the moon? I'm like, well, there's other planets out there. And we talked about the solar system and she's learning all about that stuff. And then started talking about, you know, galaxies and universe and all this kind of stuff. She's like, well, what's the furthest planet in the universe? So I'm like, huh, you know, I have no idea. <laughs> Let's do a quick Google search. So we did a search and found, you know, the Google search said uh, the planet Icarus is the farthest planet in the universe. So like, okay. She wants to start saying, I love you to Icarus and back. So we start doing that. Like, very cute. Love it. And then one day, I said, before she goes to school, I say, I love you to Icarus and back. And she goes, I love you to space and back. I'm like, what? You don't, I'm like, you don't, you don't love me to Icarus and back anymore? And she's like, well, no, dad. Icarus is in space. So that means space is further than Icarus. And I'm like, Okay, I'm like you. Just you got to go to school now. I don't. Get, like, get I don't. Yeah, I'm like I don't know how I can deal with this right now. So, like, I love you, but just just go, just go. <laughs> I just, I just, it was pretty funny. It made me laugh. So I thought I'd uh, end it on a positive note with everybody. So thank you again for listening. As always, find us on Twitter at Dusty Evely at Sarah Calher four at uh, Steve Peratch and at Packaday Podcast. <gasps> Before I forget, we forgot to uh, announce who who uh, Andy's Avenger would be. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, we did. Right. Uh, so, yeah, before we go, it would be Nick Fury would be Andy as an Avenger because he is the one who gathered all of us together as the entire Avenger Pack-A-Day pa- pa- podcast team. So um, just remember that at the last second because, you know, that's how my brain works. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you guys again for listening. Uh, any five-star reviews, you know, iTunes, Spotify, however you guys listen to us, they're always appreciated. So thanks for your questions. We'll we'll be back next week with some with some more hopefully fun off season coverage. But uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, go pack go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.